It's the Underpowered Hour on this week's show. We're getting ready for the Anarch 75th Diamond Jubilee event in Cortland, New York. A couple of tip-top tips, the Dunfolds Collection Museum opens, and Land Rovers in history. And now, without delay, here's the show. Welcome to the Underpowered Hour. I'm Steve Barris, mild-mannered television executive by day and Land Rover collector by night. You can find out more about our cars and what we're working on at thebarriscollection.com or follow us on Instagram at thebarriscollection. I'm joined, as always, by my good friend, Ike Goss. Thank you to everyone joining us today. I am the six-bold hub to Stephen's five-bold hub. I'm the superfluous fastener of podcasting, Ike Goss. I own and operate Pangolin 4x4 in Springfield, Oregon, where we live and breathe Land Rovers. Check us out online on Facebook, Instagram, at Pangolin 4x4. Let's get started. All right, Ike. Well, this week we are officially in uh, Anarch Week. Uh, We're World Anarch Week. Greek Peak starts on Wednesday, I guess. So soon. Very yeah. soon. We'll be there. We'll be there Wednesday. We're flying in from the beautiful West Coast. To I'm pedaling the, my bike as we speak. Uh, we're going to head out there. And uh, well, Steve Owen is uh, he's he's driving his Series 1 from uh, Milwaukee to Greek Peak. It's true. I've been uh, I've been sending him parts yes. to make that happen for yes. his vehicle. Yes. And uh yeah, he just sent all of his brake cylinders for us to resleeve. Yeah, were the in time for the trip? I think we sent him some that oh, we had already resleeved, okay. and these are the cores so that we we can so he was able to get going in time. Oh, that's good. Yeah, no, if you uh, haven't listened to uh, this month's Center Steer podcast, uh, Steve is on there talking about his car and getting. There. I wonder what percentage of Steve car has originated in Oregon. <laughs> that's a great question. He yeah. speaks extensively about uh, your. Or help getting his uh, car moving and steering and all of that sort of stuff. Oh, it sounded like kind. it had some kind of improvised steering system when he uh, it found did. it and uh, that needed to be replaced and is now going. And uh, it sounds like a great car. And he and a few other folks are heading all the way up. They're going to be in Canada for a little bit and then they're dipping back down to head to Greek Peak. So we'll see him there on uh, Thursday, which is yeah. going to be the sort of the first day of official festivities, if you will. Uh, yeah. Which is going to be Yeah, great. look for the uh, giant British man who sells fireplaces. Uh, that will be Steve Owen. Yeah, he who's can... been crammed into an eighty inch for uh, many thousands of miles. Well, that's the thing. He's like six foot two, right? I mean, he's five. a big. I think you know, he's six, six foot five. five. He's a big. Yeah. He's a big gentleman. And, uh, yeah. yeah, the eighty inch is not a. It's not a big man's car. You know, it's, it's, looks it's like, small. Uh, At least it's a yeah. narrow transom car, so it's he's got yeah. a little bit more legroom. Yeah, it'll be fine. It's going to be, be great. Fine. So we are doing a whole week's worth of things there, or a whole four days worth of things there. Starting off bright and early on Thursday morning, our good friend Jeff Aronson and I will be doing the. Anarch uh, daily live show, 15 minutes every morning, uh, kicking off the day, uh, talking about what's happening over the course of that day, what happened the day before, etc. Maybe being joined by some uh, fabulous guests, giving away some prizes. Who knows? So if you are, in fact, in Greek Peak, if you're enjoying uh, the festival, uh, please come down to the podcast lounge. Uh, you're welcome anytime. And uh, come see what uh, Jeff and I get up to first thing in the morning, if you'd like. Uh, if not, and you're maybe not not at Greek Peak, then uh, check it out on YouTube. It's going to be on our YouTube channel every day. The live show will be there, so you can check in. You can see what everybody uh, got up to. Um, and the podcast lounge is located there in 
the dealer area from 10 until noon every day. Uh, you'll be able to see either Ike and I or John Kosich and the gang from the Center Steer uh, podcast, Morgan and Harold and Dixon. They are going to hang out there as well. We're going to be doing interviews during that time. We're going to be hanging out and doing sticker trading or merch selling or whatever it is that you guys want. So come on down and uh, please say hello. And then, of course, Thursday night, the epic crossover podcast event, the Center Steer Underpowered Hour podcast live, live show. So sort of kick off the event there Thursday night. There is going to be a team under power versus a team center steer in a uh, matching of, uh, of wits, maybe feats of strength. There will be expired vegetables available oh, yeah. at the door. Yeah, it's going to be great. It's going to yeah. be great. You guys are going to really enjoy that. And then a band uh, afterwards. Uh, it's going to be great. So, yeah, if you have time, there is still tickets available and things uh, even pop up for a day. I think it would definitely uh, be worth it if you're in the area. You know, if you haven't booked your plane tickets from the UK yet, you might want to you may want to get on that because uh, it's going to be great. It's going to be a lot of fun. So all your favorite North American Land Rover owners will be there. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I can't wait. There's a constant uh, murmur of uh, how many Freelanders are going to be there. So we'll see somewhere between zero and zero. Yeah, I think probably at this point, you know, which you is know. all the running ones. It's all the running ones. That's all the running ones. <laughs> Somebody did sell me. There's one in Pennsylvania. Uh-huh. I was talking to John Cossage today and I was saying, hey, well, there's this one in Pennsylvania. He's like, yes, I've been sent that no less than six times. And I'm like, that sounds about right. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. me too. Me too. I've got like an anonymous Facebook DM or two with that uh, in there. So I appreciate uh, folks sending us uh, those uh, sending those our way. Those are, Speaking nice. of Freelander enthusiasts and important events that's right we have got to talk about the opening of the dunsfold museum that's right the most famous freelander collector in the world and also i would say the largest collection of freelanders in any one place as well as many hundreds of other remarkable land rovers but most notably the what the first freelander or the most purple freelander or the whatever he's got one of everything our good friend phil bashel mm-hmm. finally mm-hmm. it's been hotly anticipated i mean it, i think i'm fa- it's fair to say it's the event of the summer i think phil's been working on this for a while you know he's been cleaning out uh, the former dunsfold uh, land rover works in order to make it into a museum facility and yep. he's been prepping the collection i saw a picture of uh, nick dimbleby over there washing cars you know uh, which uh, he's very good at you he know is good i at think that, yeah. uh, He's a, a wonderful photographer, but mm-hmm. really, I think his skills lay in the uh, custodial arts when it comes to uh, cleaning. Yeah, valeting uh, old muddy Land Rovers is really his calling. That's yeah, where he missed. Sure. Uh, yeah, absolutely. For he's sure. a spiritual connection there. I think that uh, you can really tell he's into it. You should all come down there and uh, support Phil and uh, his efforts at uh, curating and uh, maintaining the world's largest collection of important Land Rovers. Absolutely. He's a super great guy and... Uh, a wonderful fellow and uh, deserves all of the wonderful things that uh, Land Rover enthusiasts can bestow upon him. He really uh, does a wonderful job of of keeping history alive there at the museum. Yeah, without question. And and some really, really remarkable cars that, uh, you know, you just wouldn't see them anywhere else. And if it wasn't for Phil, they would have met the scrap heap or uh, been corroded away in some barn in the uh, somewhere. And so he really has uh, not just a fabulous collection, but is really a, a, a fabulous member of the community, a great conservator. And uh, yeah, like I said, just an all-around all around great guy. He's, uh, oh, he's a lot of fun. All-around swell fellow, and he has my favorite 
Land Rover conversion, the Land Rover baggage handler. <laughs> yes, absolutely. The baggage handler I know is your favorite one. It is a it's a great it's a great car. It's a great car. It's a great, it's a great car. car. Well, speaking of uh, of baggage handlers and uh, their connection loosely to Phil's giant Freelander collection, we have a a tip top tool tip uh this week and and this is uh again as all things on this show is as you know now i relate in some way to a freelander i was uh, sent the uh, island diagnostic tool from our good friends at atlantic british i was sent it because i paid for it mm. and then they sent it to me that's mm. how that's how that worked sponsorship the, angle didn't work yeah out. it didn't work out no mm, i and they were just like bad. no they actually to pay more <laughs> You for it more yeah exactly they, they're uh, like not only are we gonna send, send this to you at extra cost we're we're gonna have, make sure that you don't mention it on your yeah, show please don't talk about it don't yeah. don't say you you got we don't it need any more freelander owners calling us <laughs> <laughs> um and they have this uh this island diagnostic tool it's pretty cool it is uh specific to land rovers so what that means is that you know they've taken all of the weird obd2 codes that the uh, computer spits out and they've looked up they've googled all the different land rover specific information for it and they put it in there and uh, it's pretty neat i have to say it runs on uh, a little bluetooth thing that goes into your obd2 port uh, this is the first uh, vintage land rover I've, I've ever had with an obd2 port and uh, yeah it gives you all the uh, all the codes uh, of which the freelander had many uh, so we're working our way through uh, through those. It looks like new oxygen sensors need to go in to hopefully solve a lean fuel condition issue and a number of other things. Who bloody knows? It's a, a nonstop, uh, nonstop excitement with the old uh, Freelander. But uh, yeah, it's a really neat tool. $399 for the tool. And that includes the uh, three-year subscription to one car. So one type of car. So I chose Freelander because that's <laughs> the only one that I have that it works with anyway. So it's good for me. But you can buy additional ones so for instance i do think it works with the tdci defender and it would work with a td5 defender as well i no, guess you have a tdci i defender. do it's just nowhere it's just and nowhere you're gonna near. you're gonna visit it very soon gonna, maybe i'll bring this with me and i'll scope it see what it says couldn't you already subscribe to another vehicle i'm gonna have to i'm gonna have to subscribe i'm gonna have to add a subscription i don't know what that costs maybe the maybe the good folks at atlantic british could uh, slide me over a free subscription i don't know we'll have to see but anyways yeah it's a it's a neat little tool and if you have a an older uh but yet still sort of modern uh, land rover i could see it being super handy especially if you have like a, a p38 or something where there's always some kind of crazy in the engines are so complicated there's a million sensors and you would never be able to figure it out without one of these sort of tools and yeah it's great you know you plug it in and you, you install the software on your uh, on your phone and it goes there's an ios and an android client and it's pretty easy actually i have to say pretty straightforward and uh, points at the things that are wrong and fix those ones and then i'm sure it's going to point at new different things that are wrong do they so, make one for a series 2a yeah they have a 2a one yeah you just put it into the inspection port in the inspection and just, sockets and it, and it glows green or red depending <laughs> It's really more of a helmet with electrodes. That you yeah, wear. And it just sort of like intuit what's wrong with it. Tells yeah. you what's wrong with you. Yeah. It just actually, what what you do is uh, is you just record a sound of the engine running and email it to Ike. And then Ike. Perfect. Uh, I've actually had people do that. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I've had people do that. And the number of videos that we get of engines running or transmissions, yeah. you know, whining or various yeah. noises, it's, it's pretty sizable. I yeah. honestly should make a compilation of all the horrible shit that people send us. <laughs> no it's more of like a whooshing noise knocking like it kind of makes a, yeah, yeah exactly. like oh that's serious 
Yeah. Like, it feels like that's a again, there's a there's a competition in that is we'll just play some random sounds and see if you can figure out what car it's from. I think that's a that's worthwhile. That's we'll have to maybe we'll think about that for Anarch. Maybe we'll come up with something. And I hear that that you have uh, a tip top tech tip, but this comes from our restricted class of yeah, tip don't, top tech. Don't tips. do this. Don't do this. This has all the hallmarks of a lawsuit and uh, uh-huh. personal uh-huh. grievous injury. So uh-huh. pressure vessels are bad yes, in general. Right. Uh, when when working in a workshop but we have a tendency to use pressure vessels a lot well you and you don't even necessarily think about it which is an aerosol can it's really common pressure vessel for people to have in their workshops brake cleaner maybe some spray paint cleaner paint all kinds of various noxious cancer causing chemicals but one of the most annoying things is when and this is especially true with pb blaster you'll probably you'll probably know Mm -hmm. the propellant for the product runs out before the product itself. And so you're left with a third of a can of otherwise useful product that you cannot use because it has no propellant. And then you're forced to throw it away. And if you're a series Land Rover owner and you hoard and keep everything, you feel it eats at your soul to get rid of something that is perfectly good because you cannot access it or use it and so right people cut apart the cans they do mm-hmm. all kinds of crazy stuff to get that last little bit mm-hmm. um you don't have to do that you don't have to do that in most mm-hmm. cases what you mm-hmm. can do is repressurize it and uh, just a reminder don't do this yeah, never do that never no, do uh, this but you the, can repressurize uh, it with your air compressor yeah and so if you've got a blower tip with a rubber tip on the end you can mm-hmm. you can put it right over you know, take the applicator tip off of yep. the aerosol can and put the mm-hmm. rubber tip over the stub that sticks out of the top of the can and then pressurize it a little bit. And then you can use the rest of the product in the can. So that's right. Yeah. Yeah. And again, uh, you know, the underpowered hour uh, does not take any responsibility for anyone actually uh, doing Don't this. Ever do no that. one, no one should ever do it. Uh, but it does work. That's a good does uh, work. Good it does yeah. work, and to uh, relieve some of that frustration from yeah. from not being able to get that last little bit. Or certainly, if you're uh, you know if you're using a, a particular spray paint, maybe a particular color or something that maybe you've had it custom mixed or you've ordered it or something. And I always find myself needing about a square foot more than I have in that can. But you mm-hmm. can you can hear it in there. And uh, instead oh, yeah. of ordering an entire additional can that you will use two squirts of and then never use it again you know uh, of course you never should refill it but if you were to refill it it would let you get that last theoretically theoretically you could could do this but only in theory yeah and it doesn't keep obviously it's air it's not it's not an inert gas that they usually put in there so it uh you know paint for instance will cure in the can if you spray air into it but for a few minutes just to get it out of there sure does work good it does it does yeah it's great well, it's a good one. So in other news, everyone's quickly growing favorite segment. I think, uh, you know, it's in the top three. Anyways, the uh, Land Rovers in history. Uh, this week's Land Rovers in history It looks specifically at our good friends at the B.C. or British Columbia Forestry Service. Uh, up in Her Majesty's Canada. That was, for whatever reason, um, I guess the the uh, Commonwealth Connection, a huge user of the Land Rover. It's true. And it's the source of a lot of uh, Land Rovers in the Pacific Northwest and all the way down into California. They've kind of seeped down into there and yeah. then up into, you know, over into Alberta and up mm-hmm. into 
you know, Saskatchewan and these various places, you mm-hmm. know, the, the BC forestry service cars have kind of spread out at this point, but uh, they certainly used a, a large number of them. And uh, there's some amazing images of BC forestry service trucks in, in you know, under testing and in use. And mm-hmm. uh, it was uh, the primary mover for a lot of the forestry service uh, back in the fifties. It kind of yeah. tapered out in the, in the early sixties. And then I think they stopped using them probably in the, middle to late 60s i I don't think Mm -hmm. i've seen a bc forestry service example from much later than 64 ish something somewhere in there yeah uh i don't know if they they hard stop quit using them but certainly other more capable pickup trucks and vehicles became available at that time period but prior to that lots of land rovers in use especially the late series ones they used a ton of late series ones so a lot of the late series ones that you see in the Pacific Northwest have their origins in the BC Forestry Service. And these vehicles were, you know, largely the same as their civilian, we'll say, yeah. counterparts. But yeah. uh, they ha- frequently had logos on the doors mm-hmm. of, you know, for BC Forestry Service. BC Hydro was another big user. And uh, those uh, organizations are somewhat related. So mm-hmm. the vehicles, the, the spec on the vehicles is pretty much the same. The Forestry Service vehicles had a reinforced fenders. So that's a quick mm. way to sort of spot them from the, the, you know, the standard Land Rovers that were sold at the same time period. Those reinforcements kind of go across the top of the fender and down mm-hmm. the side. Mm-hmm. And then they tie the fenders together across the top of the radiator support. So the hood actually mm. closes closes on this reinforcement. And so there's a strap of, uh, of steel that mm-hmm. goes across that's bolted to the fender that, that sort of supports the wings and gives it a little bit more structure. And that the visible part of this structure is probably an inch wide. Mm-hmm. And it, it goes up the side of the fender, across the top of the fender, over the radiator support, and then does the same on the other side. And that is attached to an inner structure on the fender that kind of uh, goes along the side of the fender to give the fender a little bit more support inside. Mm-hmm. They, they figured, mm-hmm. oh, this, this vehicle is going to be driven through the forest. It's constantly going to have brush and yeah. shit banging against the side of it. So they, they wanted to make the fenders a little more substantial than the stock mm-hmm. units, which, you know, they have floppy fenders. They're yeah. aluminum, you know, they, they dent easily. They don't rust, but they dent easily. So. Mm-hmm. That was sort of their solution for that problem. So nowadays, you know, when you see a car for sale, you can kind of easily pick it out because those vehicles kind of typically have those uh, features. Then they had some other, you know, basics, more simple modifications. Some of them have the gross vehicle weight you know, mm. stenciled or written on the side, which is very common for Canadian vehicles in general. Mm-hmm. And then they also had on some of the the pickups, they had a, a canopy that was locally made that fitted over the, oh, cool. the top of the bed. And yeah. so uh, Linus for a long time had one of those canopies and I think I have it now and it's, it's really cool. We'll post a picture of it on our Instagram and Facebook and these sorts of places so you can check it out. But that was another thing that was kind of interesting and neat. It was a steel framework mm-hmm. and then it had an aluminum structure over the top of that. Some of them were aluminum, some of them were steel, and they all kind of vary a little bit because they were locally built. But uh, neat canopy, the cover for the back of the the pickup truck specifically. But uh, this specification lasted, you know, from the 80-inch all the way through the early Series 2s and 2As. Oh, wow. So you see that structure on top of the fenders on all of them except the very earliest BC Forestry mm. Service cars, which I assume they hadn't decided to, to do you know, that. reinforce the fenders. And but was that a factory option or was that something that was wasn't. done at port? 
it wasn't done at the factory and it wasn't done at poor. It was done at, I believe the forestry service workshops. Oh, interesting. Where that was okay. Done. Okay. Uh, oh, cool. So yeah. somewhere local there in BC, they would yeah. fab up what, and was it a galvanized piece? Was it no. uh, just, no. What, what so it was is there a bunch of galvanized corrosion that is uh, eating on some through cars. those fenders? Yeah. On some cars, but you know, the British Columbia in general is not a particularly rust prone area when you mm-hmm. compare it to the salt laden middle West or something like that. So yeah. they still survive pretty well, but uh, a lot of the cars do suffer from galvanic corrosion where those uh, fender supports meet, the, especially on the inside of the fender at the mm-hmm. bottom, you know, where mud gets yep. kicked up. Yep. But I would say in general, it, it doesn't contribute tremendously to the corrosion on the cars, but uh, you, it's it's painted. I think yeah, they were right. painted originally, right. and right. Uh, but they weren't galvanized. And is that, uh, would you say that having seen it now over the course of what is close to 75 years, has it caused the fenders to be less dented and things? Are they, are they in any better shape because of that than other ones? I think they're just as dented, but you know, because the, the fenders have to be removed for certain service items like clutches and the, Mm -hmm. uh, sorry, clutch master cylinders and these sorts of things, Mm -hmm. the pieces have to be removed and frequently aren't reinstalled the Uh, reinforcements inside the fenders. So, uh, the ones across the top of the fenders that tends to survive on the car, but the the ones mm-hmm. inside the fenders, they often don't get put back because they're kind of fiddly Just, and, yeah, fiddly and, and not worth to it. get yeah. put back on. I, I don't think it does much for the dents, but I think it does help with the sagging of the fenders. You mm-hmm. know, weight gets put on the fenders. People sit on them, stand on them, yep. put stuff on them, and that kind of pushes the fender down on the outside edges. Certainly, I have some series ones with some saggy fenders, but at any rate, the uh, that that structural support does, I think, help in that regard. Oh, that's really interesting. And so it's literally across the top of the outside. Yeah side of the fender like you can you would you would see it so if you yeah and it, it's cut at an angle so it, it almost mm-hmm. follows the wheel arch just slightly where you know for that one inch section yeah. we'll yeah. post some pictures up of yeah, it, for sure. it so you can check it out but uh yeah it's it's sort of interesting you can almost immediately pick out the history of that car from seeing that simple you know feature on those vehicles and why do you think i mean outside of just uh just a colonialism why not jeeps and things uh early on they were sort of contemporary to those vehicles why not a you know a ford or a, or a jeep or something you know i i think uh the reason for that is is probably exactly what you said you know <laughs> like there's still some animosity from that war of 1812 they're just like still upset about that <laughs> And so I think uh, that, you know, the, the French Canadian war, you know, they just, mm-hmm, they just mm-hmm. still a little raw. So yeah, they were like, yeah. we're not using your vehicles. Yeah. Um, that's not true. They had other car, they had other types of vehicles that they used. And if you look at, you know, old BC forestry service pictures, you see power wagons and internationals right. and, right. you know, other things, but they right. certainly operated a lot of Land Rovers and, and a ton uh, of flannel. Like there's not one of those pictures that doesn't have flannel in it. It's yeah. Just... And suspenders was, they right. were super big, you know, suspenders yeah. were huge. There's some great uh, pictures of period photographs of uh, the forestry service vehicles in action. There's a particularly wonderful one. Uh, of a guy operating a capstan winch by himself. So he's got oh. the door open against the fender and he's, <laughs> he's got the pulling it in the door. Yeah. He's pulling yeah. the, the working end of the capstan winch rope yeah. in, you know, into the cab from the yeah. driver's seat and he's driving up a slope. I, I'm not sure how well that would work in, right. in real life. Like that right. seems like it was a little bit, little bit staged maybe. Yeah. It does take anything. a, I mean, I guess it's possible, but it does take a bit of, uh, it takes a bit of effort to keep the tension on that true. And yeah. 
And and if there was any kind of load on that vehicle, a little yeah. bit of a slip, and you're yeah, <laughs> yeah you're gonna take off down the hill, um, which is interesting. Yeah, it's always uh, it's always uh, I I, I like the picture. image though. Yeah, I, like I do the too. Yeah, he's the guy. <laughs> he's like winching himself up the hill with a capstan winch. And yeah, it's, yeah, it's great. Is the correct way to do that with a capstan winch to be outside of the vehicle and and to to winch it up with without a driver? Like, what's the what's the correct way to do that? Well, capstan winches, which were also used in large numbers on these forestry yeah. service vehicles, makes sense. Um, yeah, for sure. You know, typically you have to maintain tension on the working end of the rope yeah. so that the the winch can have enough friction to yeah. to pull on the the load. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. so yeah, you, you not only have to keep consistent tension on it. You know, if you were driving and steering with one hand. Yes. And you were having the the rope with the other hand. How would you grab the next piece? Yeah, of, you know your yeah. your arm is yeah, only you so long. Yeah, so when you get so to the long. end of that, you know, the, kind of yeah, I don't know how you would really how you'd really do that. And you've got to manage the dead end that's coming, the slack that's coming behind you. You're gonna, it's yeah. It seems. I mean, it seems like something that we need to set up and test in real life. I think that's the only way to be sure. The only way to be sure is yeah. to to be injured in the process get of proving that it didn't happen. In there happen. and have him figure it out. We'll we'll film it. And yeah. it's going to be great. Yeah. Well, it's a great Hopefully. picture, and there's some other good ones uh, yeah. on the BC Forestry Service I archive. You can check that out online. Mm-hmm. They have mm-hmm. some wonderful pictures. If you type in keyword Land Rover, there's 80 inches driving through the forest, and there's uh, pickups. Uh, you know, there's camping in. Uh, in the forest at various uh, logging camps and these sorts of things are, they're great. And is there any, uh, any indication as to where the metal uh, covers, the little covers for the, the pickup truck beds where, is that company still around? Oh no, that's that, uh, that was probably also made by the made. forestry service. Yeah. And uh, those I've only ever seen three that exist. Um, most of those got pretty badly rusted. Right. And uh, I, I may have the only good example that remains, but you can sure see pictures of them yeah there's pictures yeah. Uh, online of the canopies in use but yeah, uh, certainly them. today i think a lot of them got taken off and uh, turned into destroyed. backyard sheds for a little while i'm sure until they there's rusted probably, into nothing. there's probably several in use as sheds yeah. the land rovers are gone but the, the, the <laughs> but the little thing there. is full of wood now and yeah. uh, it's, it's in somebody's it's backyard up a lawnmower in the off season <laughs> yeah exactly yeah no exactly i'm sure that's knowing the interior of british columbia i'm i'm certain that that is uh that that is the case uh well, we had there's goats living in one for sure yeah for sure we in alberta give those guys a pretty tough time so it's uh it's only fair because they're all gypsies so that's what uh that's what you get but uh yeah well hey you know uh my brother lives there and uh so does most of my family so i i feel like i speak uh i speak from uh, a heavy knowledge base but uh, no the interior of british columbia is pretty incredible and especially when it comes to going and finding uh interesting old cars there is no shortage of interesting people with uh collections of interesting cars it seems to be a a real pastime in the interior so very cool stuff there for sure i'm sure that the same is true something asked and i'm sure the same is true of the auto Valley, right? There's uh, all kinds of uh, interesting people with interesting Land Rover Dixon being one of them, but uh, but all kinds of interesting people. Obviously, a big, uh, you know, very historic Land Rover Club up there, which I think both you and I are members of, and uh, it's uh, they put out an amazing newsletter and uh, stuff. And it's just the uh, Canadian area Land Rovers are are just kind of neat, you know, because I think they're they're one step closer to a British car than uh, the you know the U.S. market models, uh, and yet still. Uh, you know, staunchly left-handed and, uh, you know, and kind of an interesting, interesting thing. And there's always some interesting bits on it that are different. 
than uh, you know than that. In fact, I was at a uh, good friend of mine, Michael, who has a uh, an extensive European car collection. There, uh, this last week, I uh, went down for a visit to his place on uh, Friday, and he'd just gotten a, a diesel pickup, uh, diesel one hundred nine. It wasn't a pickup anymore; it has a roof on it now. But uh, from uh, Italy, and it was one that had the back door with the two license plate lights stuck in the middle of the door. <laughs> Which is uh, I'm a big, I'm a big fan of that particular modification where the big light thing just goes. It's just there's two of them right in the middle of the door, so it's good. It's a good yeah. good mod. I'm yeah. sure they have a uh, the you know the whatever the Italian equivalent of uh, Canadian tire is Italian yeah. tire, Italian tire, <laughs> and uh, it's just all <laughs> plastered over with just, the uh, lights yeah. and mirrors and. Yeah. You know various accoutrements from those types of places. Absolutely, that's the only way to go. It's the it's the right way to be. Well, at that rate, uh, we've got to get uh, packing here and get uh, get our uh, stuff ready for the big Anarch Diamond Jubilee. Uh, if you would like to uh, join us there with an underpowered hour T-shirt, get your order in immediately as. I don't know that we'll ship it to you in time, but if you'd like one, we're going to have a few of those things on location with us. Uh, we have some uh, new stickers. We've got some old stickers. We've got some tiny Ikes. Uh, we've got little Defender rally car. We got everything you could ever want, uh, and uh, we'll be there. We've got. Uh, we've still got uh, just a few. Uh, very few um, retro 80 t-shirts left and a few of those sort of things. So we'll bring that stuff with us and uh, yeah, come in and uh, you know, try it on, you know, we'll have one shirt that everybody can just try on for a couple of minutes. <laughs> Enjoy that, you know, a communal shirt. Let's see if you're a medium and uh, we're only going to have a medium. So if it's like, if it's too tight, we'll go up a size. If it's not tight enough, we'll go down a size, but we're not taking out any other sizes. It's just, <laughs> <laughs> one communal medium that we're all going to try. I think it's going to be great. It's like, uh, you know, it's, it's just uh, it's a special bonding experience. And anyways, that's how uh, everybody got scabies, I guess, at the uh, at the Anarch. But, uh, you know, you hey, brought it. It was worth it. You it was worth it. it. It was worth it. Well, at that, it's been uh, a slice, unfortunately, uh, because of uh, all of the scabies talk. We have run out of time for Ike's review of Nando's. But perhaps at the uh, Anarch Diamond Jubilee, uh, you can uh, meet him in person and try to get a, a personalized uh, review. Uh, I don't know. We'll have to find out. But at any rate, that's it for this week. We will see you next week at the Diamond Jubilee in 75th person. anniversary in person in Greek Peak in New York. It's going to be amazing. See you soon. The Underpowered Hour is produced by Liza Barris, Ike Goss, and me, Steve Barris. Pavel Svartov composed and performed our theme music. Consider supporting the show on Patreon, and if you already do, thank you. Your support makes the show possible. For even more, check out our Instagram or Facebook.